Joseph has part in it and then he has to play music and, and, and the So we're gonna do the special first if you come. Thank you. 
Stand, we sing um, 175, 175, standing on the promises.
Churches in South Carolina and North Carolina, in the South, when I was uh, much younger and with my wife, and then uh, of course I'm not I'm not Caucasian. I'm a little bit different. And uh, I go down to a Southern church in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, walk down the aisle to find a seat. And it's kind of fun to have people staring at you like like that. Just by my own business, being in church, we have friends. Um, they are quite black. They're very black. They're very dark. Uh, named the Favors, Henry Favor, good, good family, and uh, they were down in Columbus, that's uh, her, her mom, uh, uh, her mom's town, and so they went down to visit her one time, and they went to a white church, an all white church, and then uh, after that experience, they came up to visit my mother-in-law in Jackson, North Carolina, uh, near Camp Rajun, and they said, Miss Camp, we went down to this church in Columbia, South Carolina. And he says, we're the only two black people there. He said this, we were like two raisins in a bowl of milk. <laughs> I thought that's very descriptive. Two raisins in a bowl of milk. Oh, brother. And that's how it is sometimes, you know. But we're glad that you're in church today. And um, we hope you get a blessing. I have a couple of things to read to you. Uh, they're not anything spiritual. It's just to read for your enjoyment. And I read it in Sunday school, and they didn't get it. So I'll read something else. Maybe you get this. 
percentage-wise, uh, percent of North America that is still wilderness, guess what the percentage is? I mean, how would you know? I, I don't know this. 38%. The percentage of American men who say that they would marry the same woman again if they had to do it all over. You know what uh, the men said? 80% said they'd do it again. Now, when the women were asked if they would marry that same man again, you know what percentage it was? 50%. This is gross. This is gross. 7% of Americans claim they never bathe at all. Yeah, woe is right. That's, that's, that's not good. The University of Nebraska, Cornhuskers, when they have a football game, the stadium is filled. The stadium becomes the state's third largest city. Interesting. Who cares? Uh, the Hoover Dam was built the last 2,000 years. Its concrete, it is said, will not be fully cured for another 500 years. It's built to last. But you know what? There's a lesson to learn all these anecdotal things. Nothing built by man lasts forever. Right. Everything built by man is going to fall apart. Thank God we have a home in heaven not built by hands. Yeah. It's going to be great. Okay, i got to end with this one since you all enjoy this so much. I can perceive that. Russian scientists have developed a new drug that prolongs drunkenness and enhances intoxication. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Washington, D.C. Sorry. What's the name of it? Vodka? <laughs> There is a town in Bolivia, La Paz, the world's most fireproof city. At 12,000 feet above sea level, the amount of oxygen in the air barely supports a flame. Now, who thinks of these things? Who thinks of these things? Who has time to go through all these things? I do. Because there's a lesson in everything, I think. And there's only one thing that's fireproof. You know what that one thing is? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. That's the only thing that's five All right, one more thing. This is under my heading. I wish I had known this. The Nike swoosh was designed by a Portland State University student and bought by Nike for 35 bucks. Boy, if he knew what was in store, if I knew this too, different story. All right, you had enough? One more? One more. The average North Korean, seven-year-old, the average seven-year-old North Korean is almost three inches shorter than the average South Korean seven-year-old. I can believe that. I can bless. That's sad. One more, since you're getting such a blessing here. The IRS admits that one in five people who call their helpline get the wrong answer to their questions. I can believe that. Don't call the helpline. You might get in big trouble. As we say, get deep kimchi. You don't want to get deep kimchi with the IRS. They know how to get to your address, brother. Believe me. I mean, don't believe me. Just take my word for it. All right, uh, okay, would you stand with me and come to a Bible reference? Let's come to Deuteronomy chapter 33. 
Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse number 1. Thirty-three, verse number one. And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. Now, that verse is very, very significant because of all Moses went through for 40 years with the people of God. They gave him grief, tried to mutiny, rebelled against him, murmured against him, and they just really gave him a lot of grief. And yet here at the end, he knows he's not going to the promised land, and yet he has enough love for the people because he had a shepherd's heart to bless the people, to bless the tribes of Israel. Now, come down to verse number 13. He doesn't list all the tribes. He lists some, and in verse number 13, And of Joseph, he said, Blessed be the Lord, or blessed of the Lord, be his land for the precious things of heaven. For the dew and for the deep that coucheth beneath, and for the precious fruits brought forth by the sun, and for the precious things put forth by the moon, verse 15, and for the chief things of the ancient mountains, and for the precious things of the lasting hills, 16, and for the precious things of the earth and fullness thereof, and for the goodwill of him that dwelt in the bush. Let the blessing come upon the head of Joseph and upon the top of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. Let's pray. Father, we pray for your help. We need it. We pray that you bless the message, bless the word of God, and apply it to our hearts in some way. Speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our heads. It causes us to be moved a little because of your word. We thank you, Father, for the freedoms we have as Americans and as Christians. We thank you, Father, we can assemble together without any hindrance. Thank you, Father, for folks that made it up today. We pray for those who are absent because of various reasons. Watch over them as well. And give us a blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Have a seat. Now, the blessings here uh, for the different trust by Moses. And I have to say again, Moses quite the man with a big heart. And uh, sometimes he was so mad at people, he wanted God to kill him. And then he'd say, sorry, no, I didn't mean that God killed me instead. What a heart Moses had for the people, a true shepherd. And then in these verses that we read in Deuteronomy about Joseph's tribe, um, I find out that there's precious things, the precious things of heaven, precious fruits, uh, precious things of the earth, precious things on the lasting hills. Uh, all these things are precious. You know, the word precious means something of great value, something very highly treasured. Something that's worth a lot. These things here are worth a lot. They're precious things that God gave to the tribes. And uh, when I think about precious fruit, I'm thinking how expensive things are nowadays. Thanks to you know who. And uh, you know that uh, we are able to still buy stuff as, as people. Yet it costs a lot more. And uh, we can understand how precious things are nowadays. The dollar doesn't go as far anymore. So it's a precious thing. We teach our grandkids, we try to anyway, the value of a dollar. And so they have chores to do, they have things they need to do, they don't get paid for it, but then there's some things we give them to do, uh, they get a, a buck or a quarter for. Just depends on what the work is. And so they'll wash the car, and if it's not satisfactory, don't get paid. <coughs> oh, that's so mean. Well, oh, that's so good. They don't do a good job, don't get paid. So on. They learn to appreciate the value of a dollar. And... Uh, Precious things. Now, in the Bible, you have a lot of precious things. 
You have in the Bible <coughs> precious stones on a crown, precious stones that the Queen of Sheba brought to King Solomon when she made a visit to him. There are precious things. In Revelation, the foundation of the walls of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, and so on. You have many precious things in the Bible. Right now, water is precious to me. That is so precious. In the South, people say precious all the time. It's almost overworked, overused, precious. Oh, precious baby. The baby could look like an elephant. Oh, precious baby. Oh, precious baby. The baby, the baby they look like a baboon. Oh, precious, precious, precious. If you're the parent, <coughs> you say, my baby is precious. And if you're not the parent, you say, well, that's your opinion. But uh, precious is a word used in the South quite a bit. And it's a word of endearment. I grew up in a Chinese home. We never heard the word precious. We never heard the word love. We never heard my, I never heard my parents say to each other, I love you. At the dinner table, if we ever ate together, we had some conversation, but not much. I never heard anybody say kind things to one another, siblings or my parents. They're also busy working, trying to earn a living with eight kids. It was just a real hard life growing up like that. No complaints, just a matter of fact. And uh, But we didn't hear the word precious. In the South, precious is everywhere. Precious, precious. Everything is precious in the South. It's just different from the North. If you go up North, go up to uh, above Ohio and Michigan, they don't use the word precious anymore. Uh, ever. I never heard it before. All the times I visit my mother-in-law in Michigan, I never hear the word precious. Now, she says precious because she's a Southerner. And she is sincerely saying that. Precious this, precious that. She'll see a picture of the grandkids. Oh, isn't that precious? And she'll do this. Isn't that precious? That's my grandma. I'm a mother-in-law. And she is sincerely saying, this is so precious to me. It's of great value to me. That's how she is. In the Bible, precious refers to something like that. It refers to things, to people, places. It refers to things that are really precious, jewelry and other things. Now, also, I want you to know about precious before I get to my real point. Precious in Proverbs, by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Sometimes getting wealth because of honesty and good work and whatever is involved to get wealth, it's a precious thing to have it. There's nothing wrong with money. Uh, in Daniel, carry captives into Egypt their gods with their princes and with their precious vessels of silver and of gold. Now, in Proverbs, there's a bunch of men who want to go out and cause trouble with other people, want to rob and steal from other people. And there's a there's an invitation to a young man in Proverbs. And the invitation is, come with us. Come with us. Join us. Join our gang so we can go and do this. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Now, they want to get some precious things from other people without paying for it. They want to break through somebody's home. They want to rob. They want to steal establishments or private property. They want to take stuff from people, things that are precious, take it to resell or to enjoy it for themselves. Uh, you remember not long ago, was it in California? California is such a horrible state to live in. <laughs> What a precious governor you have. You can go into a store, break things, steal things, walk out up to $900 or something like that, and employees just watch them. They, they cannot intervene. They just let them go out. This one guy I saw, he's, he's grabbing all this stuff, and he's just walking out like this. I think I heard somebody say, um, did you come close to the maximum? <laughs> oh, here, go back, get some more. You only have $800 worth. Take another $100 worth. I can imagine somebody saying that. Nobody wants to do anything about that. 
They want to take precious things and fill their house, these thieves. And so you have this going on when it comes to something precious. The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting. But the substance of a diligent man is precious. Good work, hard work. Using your skills, asking God to bless you. You gain something, that's a blessing. That's good for you and for your family. Precious things. Um, in Proverbs again, 2015, gold, gold, and a multitude of rubies. But the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. You also find things that are precious that are not material. Knowledge is precious. Wisdom is precious. Now also in Proverbs, you have someone who is precious. She is more precious than rubies. Now this is a course from Proverbs chapter 31 where it says about this woman. Who can find a virtuous woman? Read it like this. Who can find a virtuous wife, mother? Who can find her? He says here, her price, her value. If you were to buy someone like this, her price is far above rubies. She is more precious than all a treasure chest full of stuff. A precious wife, a precious mother. In fact, in Proverbs 31, her husband ariseth and calls her blessed and so do her children. Now that's a precious blessing to have kids and the husband say of the wife and mother of the kids that she's just more precious than rubies. That's a blessing. Amen. That's so foreign to American the American way of living, it seems like. What a blessing it is. I got one like that. I got one that's more precious than rubies. Did you hear that, Miranda? Mm -hmm. She's going to hear it. It's because I do mean it. I don't always exaggerate things when I'm preaching. I sometimes tell the truth. Sometimes. <laughs> and so, uh, that is a real blessing. And that is a form of something very precious. Now, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 26, come over here with me. I want you to see a verse that relates to something precious, but someone does not appreciate something precious. In Proverbs chapter 26, uh, chapter 6, and verse 26, 6, 26. The virtuous woman, who can find her? Her price far above rubies. But look at this woman over here, 626. Uh, back up to verse 23. We'll come down to verse number 27. Verse 23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life, Verse 24, to keep thee from this kind of a woman, the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Verse 25, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, ay, ay, ay. Is there any wonder this old Bible is kind of despised? Because of words like this. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for that precious life. 
Life is precious, but not to this harsh woman. Her business is to allure men to come to her. It'll cost them something in, in, in dollars. It'll cost them more in what she will rob from them. She doesn't think life is precious. Life is, but not to her. Now, folks, there are people like that in this world. They're after something, and it's not after anything good for you to gain. She's going to take something from you. Have you ever noticed how this world is not a friend to grace? I don't mean grace the woman. I mean grace, grace. It's in the Bible. This world is not a friend to grace, so much so that everything you see just about, let me back up. Was America once a spiritual nation, at least in its foundation in a few decades after that? Was it once, remember this thing? My dad bought one, and that thing was, that thing was like this big. It's a big cabinet thing, and he was so proud of it. We were all happy to see a TV in our living room. We grew up with it. That thing brought to us black and white. It, it brought to us moving things. It brought to us cartoons. It, it brought to us all kinds of things. And every once in a while, we had something that we enjoyed, like Leave It to Beaver or Father Knows Best. It was all kind of wholesome stuff. We never got any, oh, man, I want to rebel against my parents. Kind of. It was all respect your parents. Well, see, this little thing here, this thing has caused more devilment in American home than anything else. Not much good has ever come out of that. And now we have, you know, the little thing we hold in our hand. Hell is found in our phones. It has caused young people. It has caused people. It's caused men. It has caused, it's caused all kinds of trouble. It has robbed our minds of anything decent just about. You have to really be careful about this device that you have. It's kind of quiet, you know, but you know what I'm talking about? Isn't that true? Amen. You used to have to have a laptop, but now you can just have this little thing over here, and everywhere you go, you see people in buses. They don't talk anymore. You see people here and there at the mall. They're walking like this. You see people down Tom Carlton says, I see people almost get hit by cars. He says, I wish they would have gotten hit. Nice guy. <laughs> good for them. He says, good for them for looking at the phone and texting and walking across the street. All this kind of nonsense. But the things, the content, the content, the content... It is brought into young people's minds all kind of garbage. It's almost like this. This is almost like a, um, let's see. It's almost like a, a funnel. A funnel into brain of kids. It's like he just funnels things in there and pretty soon your kids say words that you say. Where'd you, what did you say to me? Where'd you hear that word? Where'd you get that idea? And pretty soon it's like a lot wanting to pitch his tent towards Sodom. Pretty soon what is evil becomes normalized. Pretty soon what was once so evil is not so bad. And pretty soon, kids go bad because of the factor of what they see, what they hear. I'm just saying, my opinion would be that you have people that don't, don't think life is precious. They don't think morality is precious. They don't think a young mind is precious. They just think it's filled with all kind of garbage. And then when they graduate from high school, you have a perfectly set up kid 
to enter this world not as a young adult, but a young, a young corrupted thing. And they just feed off of everything else. It's just a real spiral that goes downward, and there's no preciousness to life. And so it's just the opposite to me. It's not precious life to them. Now, the horish woman, yes, that's what the Baba calls her. She is filthy, and she is vile. She's wicked. One time, Nathan was with the college traveling group, group one summer, and uh, it was friends that he knew, the Baloos. So they traveled with an evangelist across the country for three months, summertime, and they went to uh, different, different towns, different churches, and they would knock on doors during the week and then go to meetings at nighttime. And uh, they were all in the van together. And you know how when you get 18, 19-year-old kids together in a van, 15 of them, they're horsing around and they, they're playing and making uh, sounds and things like that. And then uh, somebody would do something that's not real nice. And then one of the, one of the guys would say, oh, oh, that's wicked. And then Nathan came home repeating that stuff. Oh, that's wicked. And I said, Nathan, what's so funny? If something is wicked, why are we laughing at it? And, you know, it's a little thing that you look at, you evaluate, you say, you know what? If something is wicked, it's not funny. If something's wicked, it is evil. If it's evil, it's not any good. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be laughing at something that's evil. You have some of these comedians. These, these comedians, some of these, even some of these Christian comedians, they said all kinds of things that's like, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is that all about? That's kind of like, eh, eh? But then a secular comedian, you may as well not even tune in. You know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. To get you to laugh, it's going to have to be crude. It's going to have to be gutter, it's going to have to be garbage if you're going to get some last from this comedy club if it's not a Christian place. And again, I say, even some Christians, you got to watch what they do because there's a temptation to be like the world, to get the last, and they're going to cut corners and compromise and do some off, uh, some shady kind of humor to, to uh, get the laughs. They want that. They want the applause. They want the response. And there's a temptation to get more of that by getting a little bit more in the world kind of thing. So I'm saying... It's not precious. Uh, you can tell a lot, by the way. This is just um, a little extra here. You can tell a lot about a person's character by what they laugh at. Have you noticed that? Super Bowl. Some of the commercials. Long time ago, I quit watching because the Super Bowl is the most horrible thing of the football game. You have all these guys. The, the last one I found out was about, uh, I don't know what it was. Uh, um, the theme was, but it was all just uh, you could you could not 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 sit there and watch that and enjoy it because it was so vile. But they thought it was great. So there's there's one group of people that think life is precious. There's another group that thinks just go through life once, therefore get all you can, enjoy all you can, step on people. Do anything you want to, to get what you want. After all, you're the most important person in this world. You. And when you die, you want to make sure you've gone to everywhere that you could have gone and bought everything you could have bought and experienced everything you could have experienced. You know, there are some basketball, all adults here, right? Okay. There are some basketball players who are known for their scoring ability. You know, there's a basketball player that has, has had relationships with women and he is proud of it in his basketball career. And, he, and the world is saying, what a great basketball player. Over 2,000 women he has had, 
and he's a great basketball player, they say. That is just, uh, that's his own life. But you get some Christian, some public, highly visible Christian, and he says one word 30 years ago when he was in elementary school, and he is trashed. I think we all understand the hypocrisy and the evil that's behind a lot of these kind of things. Now let's move on. Life is precious, and the older you get, the more you realize that it is precious. How many old folks here? <laughs> okay, if you're if you're forty and above, you're old. Right? If you're forty and above, you're old. Now, when you're twenty, you think, "I can't wait till I'm twenty-five." When you get to twenty-five, you say, "Wow." It's kind of all relative and um, kind of how it goes. But when you get older, you realize that life is very precious. And there's a tendency for older people to look back and to reflect. Now, here's what happens when you get old. I can speak because I'm in the same canoe of old people, the old people's club. Now, it's okay to admit it. It's, it's bad, though, when you try to be young again and try to recapture your 20s. And you got to wear, you know, you lose your hair, so you got to buy these toupees. Why? Why would ever any man do that? I mean, if you lose your hair because of age and things, that is a sign of you're great. And people look at you and say, I want to be like you. You ever notice how many bald people there are nowadays? They saw one bald man and said, wow, I want to be like that. So it's proud. You have some pride by being bald. But you don't want to recapture your youth by doing all kind of crazy things. People want to be um, young and youthful and... Um, attractive to the girls again. You're, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're a fool to think that you can be. First of all, you've been married for 45 years. Why want to act young again? Your wife knows Your wife knows what a pathetic creature you are. <laughs> I mean, she knows you can't carry, you know, um, if you were young, you could do 20, 30 pounds barbells, curls like that. When you get older, 10 is good. <laughs> 10 is good. And doing the push-ups, the real way, the marine way, the man way, the CB, not the CB, but the, um, you know, the, the real, now it's on your knees, the girl way. If you can do a 10, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. And if you get on the bed without holding your back like this, that is a good day. That's a good day. I was digging dishes, uh, pulling up weeds. No, the laugh is serious. I was getting up, I was digging with, uh, some of these weeds that come out in the back, it's like, you can't just step them up. You got to get to the weed, to the roots. I'm digging away. I'm, I'm, I'm digging away. I'm digging away. One, two, reach down, pull it up, shake up the dirt, throw it over there, dig again. I got to sit down. <laughs> I got to sit down. What's, what, what's the problem here? Is it the humidity? Probably so. And I'm thinking, no, it's me. It's me. The old horse is getting older. Life is precious. Life is precious. And the longer you live, the more you realize it is precious. And you say to yourself, where did it all go? I will tell you one thing, because that is a fact. At whatever age you are, because life is precious, you had better make your days. The Bible says, number your days. Number, you better make your days good. Every day, a good day. Every day, you wake up, Lord, thank you for another day. My wife and I in the morning, we're drinking our coffee. I was going to say our vodka. But no, our coffee, and um, uh, she gets out her Bible for her own reading and study and so on, and I'm eating my breakfast and watching and listening to her and so on, 
And uh, somehow in our prayers, we always say, thank you, Lord, for this food, and thank you for another day. Thank you for another day. And then we say, Lord, bless this day. In all that we do, whatever we do, bless this day. Help us to be a blessing to whoever we come in contact with. She always prays, help me to be a blessing to the grandkids and to Kristen, and help me to be a help to somebody today. Help me, and we're all saying, Lord, give us a good day. That comes a lot of territory, give us a good day. You know why? Because as you grow older, days are precious. And you cannot recover last week's day. You cannot recover last month. This is September the 18th. It is not August the 18th. That's all gone. The last 30 days is all gone. You can never recapture that. Today is today. Tomorrow is tomorrow. Make each day a good day. Lord, thank you for this day. Life is precious. When you see your life taken from you or about to be or potentially it's going to be taken from you, you realize how precious life is. Some people in the Bible, they don't care about life being precious. They care about themselves. Totally, number one, selfish. Everything is selfish. For the Christian, every day is a precious day. Amen. Amen. Now, there's something else here. I'm working my way down to what I really want to say, and that is in 1 Peter chapter 1. Come over there with me. 1 Peter chapter 1. These are some cursory things about the word precious. And now we have something that's very precious. Something that's of high cost or worth. Something that is of great value. Something highly esteemed. Something cherished. Something very beloved. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I think you know where I'm going. Verse number 18. 1 Peter 1, 18. Did you find it? Amen. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now here we come to what is really precious in the Bible and what's really precious to the child of God. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, he says, you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Now, when I think of that, I think about the Old Testament passage in the book of Exodus. I think about that one, that last plague in Egypt. I think about what was required to be done, what was required to be done so that you would not die when the destroyer came through Egypt at midnight. I'm thinking about that. And in Exodus chapter 12, we have that account. We have that story of God's instructions to do something so that you would not die when the death angel came through. 
that night. And, of course, you know that's about the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb, the Passover lamb was to be killed. A male lamb, and all the details, of course, uh, prophetic, symbolic of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, that takes for the sin of the world. And that account reminds me of that evening when the death things would come and he would kill the first point, the tenth and final plague to break Pharaoh's back, to break the Egyptians' hold on the Hebrews, where he would finally let them go free. He said you can go several times before, but he didn't mean that. And so he never did really repent, did he? He just had kind of a fake repentance. And so he never did really repent. Now I want you to remember and think about what happened that night in Exodus chapter 12. And how the death of the first one would be a sure thing because the death angel would come through. And when he came through, there would be no mercy, there would be no quarter, there would only be bloodshed. And the death angel, when he came through, however it was, when he came through, he came through to do one thing. He came through to look for blood on the door of that male lamb that was killed. And when that male lamb was killed, they were to roast it, and then they were to eat it in a hurry. Because that night, after midnight, out they go, emancipated. Their instruction was to put blood on the door. And when he came by to look for the firstborn to kill off any household, Hebrew and Egyptian, even the animals, if he found this, you know what he would do? He would go to the next door. And if he goes to this door, and there's no blood, he goes in the door. He goes in the door, and he looks for the firstborn. And he kills the firstborn. That's what he came for. And in that night, in Egypt, there's a great cry because maybe 22,000 firstborn children were killed that night. Because the death angel. Now, let me, let me tell you this. This man here, he has put some things in the front. He's piled some things up over here. There's a pile of different bags of things. I'll tell you what these things are in just a minute. He's put that here in place of what God said to put. He put something else. Let me tell you what I'm going to translate. I'm going to apply what some people do in place of the blood the precious blood, they put something else. Hopefully, the death angel will bypass them. Let me take you to a scripture. Come over to First Peter again. Peter says right here in the text, what cannot purchase your redemption. Verse 18. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as 
silver and gold. Now, look up here. Here's a pile of silver and gold. Symbolic, okay? A pile of silver and gold. This man says, ah, Moses, you know, he's kind of lost it. No, I mean, he's, he's just too radical for me. You know, that tone down and back off. And, you know, I think my silver, my gold can buy off the death angel if he ever did come tonight. So this, I'm playing out how people think. We're going to try to bypass death coming to us by silver and gold. Did you know that people today can actually buy their own doctor, a concierge doctor, personally? They'll come when I call them. They'll drop everything, and they'll, we'll fly them out to my place in the Bahamas or wherever I am, and they will tend to my medical needs. People are that wealthy. And doctors, of course, they're not in there to lose money, but they will be available to these wealthy, they call them super wealthy, these people who have the means to have their own doctor. Do you know that the Bible tells us that silver and gold cannot purchase your redemption? Did you know the Bible says that wealth is vain? Wealth is vain. Now, I don't know about Teslas. I mean, I think that's a nice looking car, but I can never buy Tesla. I don't want a Tesla. I mean, it's, it's too nice for me. It's not my style. I'm more, you know, uh, um, horse and buggy. <laughs> but uh, if you can afford it, fine, up to you. Spend uh, eighty thousand dollars to save uh, a little bit of gas every month. Okay, fine. I'm not. I'm not making fun. Criticizing. I'm just saying you can have that kind of wealth. Where uh, and I'm seeing more and more Teslas every day in Hawaii on the roads. I'm seeing more and more. Somebody's able to afford them. Okay, fine. No, not a problem. But I'm saying that when the death angel comes, you cannot bank on your money for him to bypass your house. That can never do. You're redeemed not with silver and gold. Um, which is to say, very simply, that even people like George Soros, I don't know how wealthy he is, but he's got a lot of money. And uh, even he, if he was told at midnight, death is going to come, protect yourself with the blood of Christ, he said, you know what? I have my wealth. I'll protect myself with my wealth. People are very wealthy. They tend to feel insulated from all kinds of things. They tend to feel like they need to be served. They tend to think that they have got it made. They tend to think that we can, we're not subject to the normal curses of this life. But when the death engine came that night, there was no stopping him unless the blood was on the doorpost. Isn't that so? And he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, which is to say, if I don't see the blood, I go to your house and I make blood in your house, which is kind of crude sounding, but that's what the Bible said. And if they had just believed what Moses said, and if they had just put the blood of that innocent male lamp on the doorpost, then they would have been saved from death in the home. And many were saved from death in the home because they believed what Moses said. You're not redeemed with silver and gold. He says, but with the precious blood of Christ. Look at verse number 19. The precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without But We do understand and know that the Lamb, of course, was symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to give His life for the sins of the world and take away all of our sins. We do know that. And yet, people today still think their wealth can buy, buy their salvation. Some people bribe a judge or bribe somebody to get what they want. All, it happens all the time. You cannot bribe God with money or your fame or your... your um, 
your status in life, not acceptable. The only thing acceptable that night to destroy, to destroy was the blood of the door. That's the only thing that counted. In God's eyes, that's the only thing that mattered. The only thing that mattered. No matter if this guy had good will, he was sincere, sincere, but sincerely wrong. And who pays the price? The first one pays the price. It's very tragic, but all avoidable. Today, people think, well, I go to church. Here we go. They give. They sacrifice. They serve. They do these things. And they pray. And they are religious, etc. All of this hoping that this pile of stuff will bypass death. No, according to the Bible, it's not by these things. It's by the precious blood, and that's why it's precious. It's precious because God accepts that. He accepts that. That's what gets people protected from the death angel. Now, all of us would die. We're not protected from dying unless it's the rapture. We're not protected from that unless it's rapture. We're not protected from disease in a general way. We will all die one day. And when we die, when we die, the days or weeks before we die, we're thinking all kinds of things. I can imagine what people are thinking when they know they have only so many days to live. One thing that they're thinking is, I hope my good works. I hope... I hope all of these things that I have done is good enough. The scale goes in my favor. And I don't know if there's a heaven. I don't know if there's a God. But I hope if there is one, he'll understand how I tried to be a good guy. I paid my taxes on time even. I even, I even paid more than I expected to pay just to be sure. I help my neighbors. I walk their dog when they're on vacation. I, take their dog, I feed their goldfish. And they name all kinds of things in their head about how they are good, moral people. You know, all that stuff belongs over here. What is he looking for? Only one thing. People think this. And I hate to tell you, but I got to tell you, because the Bible says so, it's all vain. It's all, the Bible says in Philippians 3, dumb. It's all dumb. New Bible say rubbish. Dung is not rubbish. Dung is not rubbish. Dung is more foul than rubbish. And God says it's all dung. Paul says it's all dung. All my righteousness is as filthy rags. Isaiah says that and Paul concurs with that. It's just not gonna, it's not gonna pass. Now some people are so slick they think that they can get through, get about everything. I have learned one thing living here in Hawaii. You cannot get on base unless you get a pass. Now, sometimes Fort Chef used to be kind of casual. Everyone bowling, yeah, but they, you know, they, they never really let you go through unless you get a pass. Here comes strict. So it's sort of strict. Marine base, very strict. You got to do the process to get a pass. Got to get a sponsor and all the kind of thing. Identification, everything. If it's not north, you can't get a pass. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? 
Don't you know how good I am? Don't you know how people like me? Don't you know my reputation in the business community? You know, all that stuff means nothing to the guard. You're going to have to have the right way to get in before you get in. Can you not see the parallel between getting into heaven and being accepted by God? There's only one way. Precious blood. Precious blood. It is tragic that people have been led to believe that it's too simple to believe in the blood of Christ for salvation. It's tragic. It's devilish. It's deception to think I must do. Let me just do it like this. Door number one. Door number two. For the sake of reference, people think you got to do door number two in everything. We meet people all the time knocking on doors. I don't need that. I'm good. Really? You don't even know what I'm giving you. See, I'm thinking this. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Well, according to the Bible, you're not. It's number two. You got to have number one to say you're good. For God to accept you as righteous, you're going to have to have his son's, his righteousness imputed to you through his son. Blood, precious blood. It's precious because it works. It's precious because God accepts it. Works as in uh, it is effective. Works as in it is the authorized way in which God accepts a sinner undeserving of eternal life. Undeserving of God's sin can come in because of the blood of Christ. And that's why it's precious. I heard, I heard that the California Department of Motor Vehicles has issued six driver's licenses to people who have the name of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, it means several things. It's a cultural thing, I'm sure. But ladies and gentlemen, there was only one Jesus Christ right. who gave his shed blood on the cross. Only one. That one is what people need. All of these things just remind me how great Jesus Christ is and how people try to detract and take away from who he is and salvation. How simple it is by faith. And so, in 1 Peter 2, he says this. I'll just try to add this in. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Now, the blood of Christ is precious. Jesus Christ himself is precious to the one who believes. Why? Why do we say Jesus Christ is the most precious person in the world to me? Are you, are you saying that Jesus Christ is something more precious than your husband, your wife, your children, your grandkids, your possessions, your 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 reputation, your career, is he supposed to be more precious than all these things? Well, who's getting you into heaven? Who gave his life's blood so that you can go to heaven? Who do you really owe? Who are you a debtor to? Who owns everything? Who owns your body? Who gave you life eternal? Who gave you answers to prayer? Who watched over you and protected you? Who is the one who holds this universe in place? And who is the one who holds your life in place? Who keeps you? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Is there any wonder that he should be the most precious one to the Christian, the one who believes? Now, to those who don't believe, he means nothing. We'll just name our kids Jesus Christ, just because we like the sound of that Jesus Christ, Jesus. We just like the way it sounds. But no, for the Christian, that name is sacred, that name is special, that name is holy. That name is the name that we would stand for and sometimes even die for. 
if you ever have taken time to check out the history of the Christian church, you realize that many, many before us cherished that name, that pressured him so much, they would not deny him when they were pressured to at the point of a sword to the throat. They would not deny him. That's how much they thought he was precious to them. And of course, they gave their lives. We have not experienced that. Many have before us. Jesus is precious above all. Now, if he has done so much for us, if he has died for us, if if the cross, if the cross is that precious to us, what he did for us, then we should be eternally grateful and we should always believe and feel that he is that he is more precious than anything else. We should have a, a pride, we should have a humility, we should have a I'm tied to him, brother, and I'm okay. I'll tell you this story, I've told it before, but I think I like to tell again that my brother in law in Michigan, he has his farming country, he has his own property, he's got over 200 acres of hardwood trees in his backyard, that's all his. And uh, before he is the, 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 the harbor tree, two, correction, 200 acres of field that he plants rye, different things, and then the harbor trees go on for another three or 400 acres. He's got a lot of property. And uh, on his gravel road at the time, there are houses here that are spread out in the country. And he is coming home one day, and he sees the neighbor's right-hand side. He knows the neighbor very well. They know him. He was raised in that town, got the Marine Corps, came back home after four years and now he's living back there and then uh, he sees smoke coming from this guy's house he knows the man he pulls into the driveway gets out of his truck he beats in the door and he calls the man by his name no response you know what John does oh well I'll just call 911 I just call something.gov and get some help no John John is uh, about 5'11 he's he's uh, kind of a Big, after you got a ring, he could put a lot of weight, you know, it looked like a bowling ball. <laughs> and John was so, the, the adrenaline, smoke coming out of the house, he's calling, nobody answers. He just, he just, he just breaks the door down. And he calls this guy, looks like he's sitting on his, on his uh, um, recliner, he's out. He grabs him, takes him out, throws him in the front yard. The guy wakes up. What's going on? What's going on? Look at your house. What happened? What's going on? What happened? He saved this guy's life from literally burning in his house to death. Here's the lesson. From that time on, this farmer, every time he has a crop, potatoes, corn, anything, he's got a big, he comes to John's house, puts it on his porch. Any crop that he has, has a little note. Thanks, John, for saving my life. Every year, throughout the year, birthday, birthday for his wife, for his kids, he's always there just throwing stuff at him. What's wrong with this man? You know what's wrong with this man? The man's grateful. I will tell you, day after, or that night when the family left, with the whole family, with the, with the, with the first person, well, they're thinking, thank God, thank God, thank you. They look back, thank God, thank God, thank God. 
for the blood of the lamb that daddy put in the doorpost. They get to the other side. Now, you know how they always complain, but I tell you, most people are probably grateful and they're thanking God. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Hey, John. How's it, John? Can I do anything for you, John? John, can I do something for you? How's your, how's your car running? You need some help? I know how to do some things. What can I do for you, John? The man's just grateful. Just grateful. Because he was saved from burning. Now, folks, if you don't see the analogy here, something's wrong with you. Okay? The difference between a strong, growing Christian and a pathetic, weak, average Christian in America is they have no appreciation for what God has done for them. He didn't come to my house. He didn't come to my house because of the precious blood. Well, saved by the blood of the crucified one. Ransomed from sin, a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father, sing praise to the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Glory I'm saved, glory I'm saved. My sins are forgiven. What's the other part there, Francis? My sins are forgiven. My, my Something's all gone. Yeah. Yeah. Glory I'm saved, glory I'm saved. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Not by a priest, not by a church, not by some church official, not by some nothing. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ. How could you not think that he is precious? I end by telling you this. I'm often wrong when I try to judge people's behavior and look at their personality and how come they're not so, or why are they so sedated? Why are they so sedated? Why are they so, so you know, reserved and so, so Yankee-ish, so Northern-like? Why are they so Episcopalian-like? And then I remember how I am, what I am like. I'm like that. I'm like an Episcopalian or a Presbyterian. I heard a man on the way to church this morning after I got pranked was listening to some old family singing group called the Gethsemane Quartet. Uh, they're from North Carolina. And they were singing the song. And uh, before the song was sung, the, the father, the leader of that family group, said, she said this, we travel a lot and we come to some churches where I think they brought the corpses into the front row. <laughs> and he says, but over here, no corpses are here. He says, this place is alive. <laughs> All he was saying was people are a little bit more expressive in these, uh, in these churches. And that's all he's saying. But I, I wonder too, how, how much do we express our appreciation and love for God for his shed blood? And regardless of personality, regardless of culture, there ought to be certain things about us that tells God and others that we're not ashamed of Him, that we are proud to be Christians, and we are humbled to be saved, and we're glad that we are, and we want you to be saved too. There was something about us that reflects this, I'm not ashamed of it. Um, people have these ball caps, they have uh, of their favorite team, they have these jerseys, uh, there's a jersey that people like to get. It's um, it's called uh, uh, King James. 
King James. You know who King James is a reference to? LeBron James. LeBron James. The Lakers supposed to start. LeBron James. Everybody wants to get his jersey. Before it was Michael. Michael Jordan. Nike, you know, that uh, tongue hanging out, kind of dunking kind of guy. My, all those people want to identify with someone like that. Somehow vicariously, they think that they are wonderful and great too and have value because we identify with some athlete. And yet you have Christians who are so ashamed to identify themselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. They have a chance to speak up, they don't. They have a chance to, they don't. They just don't want to. Now, I'm just going to tell you this, that we should not be anything but glad to identify ourselves with the precious Son of God. One more story, I'm done. I'm ashamed of this. When I was a little boy in Kaneohe, I was pretty selfish and pretty much um, all ego for me and my friends were more important. Even as an elementary kid, walking home from Hiya Elementary School, it's over a mile to the house I lived in, Kaneohe, and walking home in Cam Highway, and um, my, my mother used to work at uh, a grocery store called, I forgot, but she used to go there in the produce department. She worked everywhere she could. She would walk from home over a mile to where now Long's is in Kanye, where Safeway is. She'd walk a mile, walk back. And uh, I'm walking home from school. She's Chinese style, at least for our Chinese style. She would buy only groceries for today's dinner because she's walking. And she's buying just enough meat. And then she's carrying it like this in both hands, just enough for the family to eat. And she's walking on by herself after working eight hours. I'm coming home from school. I see my mother up here. She's, I know it's my mother. She's carrying this stuff like this. And then we're walking, talking to my friends. I'm talking even more. And then my, she turns around. She sees me. She calls me by my Chinese name, which I will not disclose what it is. <laughs> she calls me by my Chinese name. And I, I hear her. And I begin to talk more to my friend like I didn't hear her. And then we walk slower. I didn't want to catch up to her. And she's carrying those two bags of groceries. It may not be too heavy, but the point is, and she called me another time, and she stopped to turn to look at me like this. And she did this. Meaning, I need your help to carry this. You're my son. Help me, you you, you, you punk. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept on talking. And I said, and I kept, I distracted my friend from my mom calling me. I was ashamed of her. Don't ask me why. There was some stupid, stupid, stupid thing that I... I regret. And then she kept on walking. She walked all the way home. When I got home, she yelled at me, she scolded me, and I deserved it. I had nothing to say to her. I don't know to this day why I was ashamed of my mother. Some Christians like that too. Jesus, ashamed to identify. Turn around, get distracted. Talk about sports, talk about celebrities, talk about this, talk about music, talk about all kinds of things, but not about him. I would say that my mother was precious to me, and I would say Christians think Christ is precious to them, but we've got to get over this intimidation of what people think about us because of what we think about Christ. Precious blood, precious Lord. Well, Let's walk out of here a little bit more to behave as a Christian. God, give me an opportunity to tell someone about you. I don't want to be ashamed of him. Precious.
This my this precious baby. Oh, is this your son? Yeah. You know, you hold your firstborn. You hold him like that. You want to walk around and show him off. Your firstborn. I don't know if you remember this or not, but you, you parents, your firstborn. You're proud of your firstborn. You, you walk around. You want people to ask you, "Oh, is that yours?" No, I bought him at the store. <laughs> Sale day, baby. No, you want people to ask you. And they say, oh, so precious. Yeah. And you're proud. You feel good about that. And then you have grandkids. And you want to hold your same kind of, same kind of uh, exhilaration. It's hard to explain. When you get married, you hold hands with your wife. You, you know, people on honeymoon, uh, not, I was going to say this, even you weren't here. People at home, they're holding hands, you know, walk around holding hands. You know what that means? They haven't found each other's flaws yet. <laughs> it means they haven't lived with each other long enough to find all their faults. That's what that means. After a few years, you know where, you know where she is? Behind him, six paces. <laughs> that means, yep, reality is sitting in. But they're holding hands, you know. And uh, no matter how a person looks, husband or wife, you are proud to hold hands with this guy, this hunk of a man. You're holding his hand. You see, you, you want the world to know, this is my man. I hold his hand. My man. I don't care what you think about how he looks. I know he looks like a donkey, but he's my man. He's my donkey. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not going to go to the other side, but you're just proud. You, you really are. You're proud. You're proud. You're proud. I hope we can be proud of our Lord. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Father, I pray to help us in this life to remember the sacrifice, the shed blood, all that, all that you have done for us. We need to live our lives as Christians not in intimidation or hoping that someone would not ask us, but live a life so that we have a chance to testify about how precious you are. If we needed to be saved, others need to be saved as well. If you can save anybody like us, you can save anybody else. So Father, um, I pray that you help us speak to our hearts, touch us, Help us to live each day as we should because life is precious. The blood of Christ still is effective. It has not lost its power. You are still great to us. We're glad that we're saved. We wish we got saved earlier in our lives. And so, Lord, help us to be what we ought to be. Good testimonies for Jesus Christ. Lord, help us today. Help us to be firm in what we believe and be rock solid in our convictions about who you are, what you did. Thank you, Father, for our salvation. And we pray that our life would reflect gratitude. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.